Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. And it's nice to have you with us. And we are dealing with another overcast day. Had some rain last night. It was nice and refreshing. And we did something fun. We went down to the Malacone, which is the boardwalk, the central part of the city. And uh, we had the kids sing some songs and uh, sing about the Lord. And they walked around with our evangelism team, shared the Lord. It was quite um, interesting. We'll be praying for that at the end today. <clears throat> some of the things that went on yesterday. Had a few... Um, videos, a few pictures, and I am, I'm going to learn how to incorporate those into a slide so I can jump over and show here and on, my, um, on my program here that we do the show with, but I'm still learning that whole program, that whole situation, but we'll get one up. So with that, I thought we would jump over into this day trivia, and if, by the way, if some of you are new, welcome. Uh, nice to have you with us. We are reading through the Word of God chronologically, the whole Bible in one year, and it's been a, it's been a great and uh, exciting adventure. We are pressing on. So, no, well, we'll get to the dad jokes in a minute. But there was a there was an interesting statement by Socrates. It says, "When the debate is lost, slander becomes the tool of the losers." Isn't that true? Boy, thinking about the political realm these days. Lake Commission kills 1,746 villagers. In 1986, on this day, <clears throat> Lake Nyos in Africa suddenly releases 300,000 tons of carbon dioxide, suffocating people within 16 miles, killing 1,746 people, 3,500 livestock. The pocket of magma, which lies beneath the lake, leaked the carbon dioxide into the water. The water became saturated with carbon dioxide, and then earthquake or something released it. And I'm not sure if this is the same one where the only people that died were the ones that slept on the ground. If that was the same lake, I think it probably is, although it killed animals too. And a cow is pretty high up when they're standing. I'm not sure. Only the people on the uh, on this event or the other one died that were that were laying on the ground because the the gas only stayed about uh, a foot above the surface. Anybody above that didn't, but I'm not sure. Uh, 1968 National Democratic Convention on this day, which was the protesters in Chicago protesting the Vietnam War, resulting in massive demonstration and kind of police-civilian conflicts, it says, not riot. And finally, August 26, 1920, the U.S. Constitution puts in the 19th Amendment granting women the right to vote. There you go. Now, more importantly than all that historical stuff, of course, is the dad jokes. How did the picture end up in jail? And boy, is this a dad joke. <laughs> it was framed. My wife refuses to go to the beach with me. I think she's just being close-minded. Mm-hmm. 
How about this one? One more. I like doing three this morning, going for it. I wanted to take a picture of the frog this morning, but I missed my chance. So I guess I could do it tomorrow. Missed do frog. Boy, it applies if you're in the East. We understand these things. In the um, in the in the <laughs> semi tropics. Um, okay, let's move over into the reading today. Let me get my let me get my teleprompter open, and we are in Chronicles twenty four. Father God, thank you for this morning. As we always come before you, we ask that you would be the one that instructs. You would be the one that reveals the truth to us. We desire not to know the academic, historical data. What we desire, Father, is to understand the spiritual implications, understand how you want to use these truths to transform us and help us in our life and help others. So we, to that end, we pray, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. One more drink, I'm ready to go. Second Chronicles 24. Joash was seven years old when he became king. He reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehodiah the priest. Jehodiah took two wives for him, and he became the father of sons and daughters. Now it came about after this that Joash decided to restore the house of the Lord. He gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go to the cities of Judah and collect money from all Israel to repair the house of your God annually, and you shall do the matter quickly. But the Levites did not act quickly, so the king summoned Jehodiah, the chief priests, and said to him, why have, why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and from Jerusalem the levy fixed by Moses, the servant of the Lord, on the congregation of Israel for the tent of the testimony? For the sons of the wicked Athaliah had broken into the house of God, and even used the holy things of the house of the Lord were the Baals. So the king commanded, and they made a chest and set it outside the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation in Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the levy fixed by Moses, the servant of God, on Israel in the wilderness. All the officers and all the people rejoiced and brought in the levies and dropped them into the chest until they had finished. It came about... Whenever the chest was brought in to the king's office by the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, the king's scribes and the chief priest's officer would come, empty the chest, take it, and return it to its place. Thus they did daily and collected much money. The king and Jehodiah gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and they hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of the Lord, and also the workers of iron and bronze to repair the house of the Lord. So the workmen labored, and the repair work progressed in their hands, and they restored the house of God according to its specifications and strengthened it. When they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehodiah, and it was made into utensils for the house of the Lord, utensils for the service and the burnt offerings, and pans and utensils in gold and silver, and they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehodiah. Now when Jehodiah reached a ripe old age, he died. He was 130 years old at his death. They buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done well in Israel. 
and to God and his house. But after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. They abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and serve Asherim and their idols. So wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their guilt. Yet they sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, though they testified against him, and they would not listen. Verse 20. Then the Spirit of God came on Zechariah, the son of Jehudiah, the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus God has said, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord and do not prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord. He has also forsaken you. So they conspired against him, and at the command of the king, they stoned him to death in the court of the house of the Lord. Then Joash the king did not remember the kindness which his father Jehodiah had shown him, and he murdered his son. And as he died, he said, May the Lord see and avenge. Verse 23, Now it happened at the turn of the year that the army of the Arameans came up against him, and they came to Judah and Jerusalem, destroyed all the officials of the people from among the peoples, and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. Indeed, the army of the Arameans came with a small number of men, yet the Lord delivered a very great army into their hands because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Thus, they executed judgment on Joash. When they had departed from him, when they left him very sick, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehudiah the priest and murdered him on his bed. So he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but... They did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. Now these are those who conspired against him. Zabad, the son of Shemath, the Ammonites, and Jehozabad, the son of Shemath, the Moabites. As to his sons and the many oracles against him and the rebuilding of the house of God, behold, are they written in the treaties of the book of the kings? And Amaziah, the son, became king in his place. Well, right there, you learn a quick lesson. There's a huge difference between religion and relationship. Joash does this noble thing to rebuild the temple. And you think, wow, amazing guy. Really focused on the Lord. But it was the priest, Jehodiah, that was the one focused on the Lord. And he was the one that was helping Joash to see the need and to understand that it was better to serve the God of, of Israel and to focus on that, that that was where they would be blessed. But as soon as he dies, says these people convinced him otherwise. Elders came to him saying, no, nah, no, hey, look, he was really um, getting the way of us having our fun. Uh, we want to go back to serve the, 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 the Baals. Actually, Baal, if remembers, is really the title means Lord. So you had a number, you have Baal Adad, you have Baal Peor, you have... Um, Zerubbabel, you had all of these different um, demon gods per se, but they all got kind of squished into one name, just calling Baal. So that's how that all came about. But the the whole issue here is he does not, as the king, continue himself personally seeking after the God of Israel. He becomes convinced to follow after the gods of carnality. And uh, and you see this horrible end to what happened. And then, then all the floodgates and all the enemies come and start attacking. 
you see these things happening. Now, Second King, we're going to see probably, I'm guessing, the recounting of this again, because we always have Kings and Chronicles saying roughly the same thing. Uh, second Kings 14, in the second year of Joash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah. So you have Joash, son Joash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, and Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, became king. These names get really intermixed, intertwined. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadim of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like David his father. He did according to all that Joash's father had done, only the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Now it came about as soon as the kingdom was firmly in his hand that he killed his servants who had slain the king his father. But the son, but the sons of the slayers he did not put to death, according to to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, as the Lord commanded, saying, The father shall not put to death the sons, nor the sons be put to death for the fathers, but each shall be put to death for their for his own sin. He killed of Edom in the valley of Salt ten thousand, and took Selah by war, and named it Jokhil to this day. Then Amasia sent messengers to Joash, Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face each other. Jehoash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thorn bush, which was in Lebanon, sent to the cedar, which was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son in marriage. But there, but there passed by a wild beast that was in Lebanon and trampled the thorn bush. You have indeed defeated Edom, and your heart has become proud. Enjoy your glory and stay at home. For why should you provoke trouble so that you should, that you, even you, would fall and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not listen. So Jehoash, king of Israel, went up, and he and Amaziah, king of Judah, and Amaziah, the king of Judah, faced each other and at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. Judah was defeated by Israel. And they fled each to his tent. And Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Jehoash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh, and came to Jerusalem and tore down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. He took all the gold and the silver and all the utensils which were found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house, and hostages also, and returned to Samaria. Jeroboam succeeds Jehoash. Now, verse 15. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash, which he did, and his might, and how he fought with Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoash slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. And Jeroboam, his son, became king in his place. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of um, uh, Amaziah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? They conspired against him in 
Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. And they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. Then they brought him on horses, and he was buried at Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. All the peoples of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father, Amaziah. He built Etlath and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel sin. He restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was of Gath-Hefer. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel, which was very bitter, and there was neither bond nor free, nor was there any helper in Israel. The Lord did not say that he would not blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Zechariah reigns of Israel. Now, the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did in his might and how he fought and how he recovered for Israel, Damascus and Hamath, which had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? Now Jeroboam slept with his fathers, even with the kings of Israel, and Zechariah, his son, became king in his place. Now remember, we have Zechariah. The pre- we, have, we have different Zechariahs. Um, prophet this is king we have different jeroboam's son of this jeroboam the jeroboam son of nabat you've got to not let one name steer you in one direction you've got to kind of remember there's going to be many people with the same name so it gets confusing pretty quick when you're not following the timeline and what's going on so we're in the timeline obviously of the division of israel this is after David, after Solomon, and then Solomon's son. He really messes up, and he, um, rather than keeping Israel united, as Solomon did, he then commands that he's going to be twice as harsh as his father. And the Jeroboam then, son of Nebat, says to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, not us, we're not following you. And we're taken off to the north, and they go up and then form Samaria up there. And um, they they have those ten tribes called Israel. The southern tribes are called Judah, the two, Benjamin and Judah. And war breaks out, and these, all of these books about these con- the conflicts and the war between the north and the south, the big civil war. And we never see the kings of the north do anything good. They're always bad. But there are some good kings of the south. And this goes back to my an initial analysis of um, of Joshua coming into the land in, in the beginning. We see the further the tribes move away from worship of the at the temple before the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, the more corrupt they become and the less likely they are to come back than the furthest of the north becoming completely defiled with their golden calf and so much so they pretty much get cut out of even being mentioned as one of the tribes of Israel. So this whole thing going on here 
with the fighting and the kings um, and regaining Damascus and doing different things. There were some bold things that, that these kings did, which were good, but for the most part, we don't see, we don't see them mentioned here as being those that brought reform and worship back to Israel, bringing them back to the Lord. All we see is some of the cities that build military conquests and these kinds of things. And it's ongoing, and it's all a part of the long history of Israel and the rebellion. And it's all a part of showing us as mankind that you cannot, you cannot, win the favor of God. You cannot come into salvation and you cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot be on your own and say, "Um, I don't need to do things the way God tells me to do in the Bible. God laid it out very, very clear for them. If you follow my precepts, if you will honor me, love me, let me be your God and you be my people. I will bless you. I will protect you. You'll always have, you'll always have a harvest. You'll always have children. You'll be prosperous. And all and on and on and on and all these blessings. But they, they said, no, we'd much rather do things our way. And we see all the suffering. So as we read through that, we're supposed to be conscious of that. And we're supposed to then say, hey, you know what? The basic principle still applies. Not in the context that they had. We're not going to promise us, per se, our crops will never fail or something like that. But the, the idea is, if you will read the word of God... And love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Things will go well for you in the long run. You will have an impact in this world. Now, it may be that the impact might be that many come to the Lord by seeing your suffering in something that you're going through. Right? Because we have to be honest. We still have sickness. We still live in a fallen world. We still have we could be treated badly because of our faith. We could lose our business because we decided to be a Christian and not not cave in. But God will still use you to be a light to the nations. He will still use you and you will still have a blessing upon your life and in ways that we cannot even imagine now. It may not we may not even see it until he comes back until we are taken out of here. But there's a guarantee. There's a guarantee. It's worth doing things God's, God's way and not your own way. And therein that's what we find over and over and over again in the Old Testament. First Corinthians 16. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, to go, um, they will go with me. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way whenever I go. For I do not wish to see you just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work, as I also am. So let no one despise him, but 
send him on his way in peace so that he may come to me where I expect him with the brethren. But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brethren. And it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has the opportunity. Be on alert, stand firm, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. I urge you, brethren, and now the household of Stephanus, that they were the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves for ministry for the saints. That you also be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work and labors. I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achiacus, because they have supplied what was lacking on your part. They have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. The church of Asia greets you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The greeting is in my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, he's to be accursed. Maranatha, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus, amen. Paul, he's quite, he's quite the guy, quite, quite to the point. I'm trying to imagine myself at the end of a church service saying, hey, God bless you guys, love you guys, keep loving one another. Oh, by the way, any of you that doesn't love the Lord, um, the curse of God is on you. <laughs> I don't know. That's just Paul being Paul. Paul was right to the point, and I guess that's, uh, it really, it really remains to, to be seen how, <laughs> how all that played out in his day, how the people received that. It. But it, it's the, the doctrinal truth is there. Now, I do notice in the Old Testament at, at the temple and here in the, in the New Testament, as the church is beginning, they're taking tithes, they're taking offerings, free will. And most of his free will offerings here for Paul, it was for, to help people, the, those in Jerusalem, and he wanted to come and take the money to them. There is this issue that we should be involved in all aspects of ministry, serving physically. We say in the church, the, the, the famous time-tested um, adage in the church is, you're to give of your time, your talent, and your treasure. These are the areas where we should be giving. And again, as we see the principle in the Bible, if you do these things, then you will be blessed in what way? Don't know. Not going to buy you a new Ferrari. You know, God's not going to give you the the condo of your dreams or the new um, yacht. It's not the health and wealth gospel that we know is in the Bible. What is there is that God's grace and his mercy and his goodness become somehow glorified through you when you do these things. And God is receiving all the glory for it. So keep that in mind. Um, as you as you go, and you can tithe with your time. And uh, many people here in Mexico don't have much money, but they're faithful in so many other ways. And it's really encouraging to see. It was encouraging to see the people that showed up for evangelism last night, people that come in to help with the mission, different things. It's really a blessing. All right, now we're going to look at Charles Spurgeon. He of tender conscience. I will judge between cattle and cattle. Ezekiel 34.22. Some are fat and flourishing, and therefore they are unkind to the feeble. This is a grievous sin and causes much sorrow. 
those threshing at the side with the shoulder, those pushing of the diseased with the horn, are a sad means of offense in the assembly of professing believers. The Lord takes note of these proud and unkind deeds, and he is greatly angered by them, for he loves the weak. Is the reader one of the despised? Is he a mourner in Zion and a marked man because of his tender conscience? Do his brethren judge him harshly? Let him not resent their conduct. But above all, let him not push and thrust. In return, let him leave the matter in the Lord's hands. He is the judge. Why should we wish to intrude upon his office? He will decide much more righteously than we can. His time for judgment is the best, and we need not be in a hurry to hasten on it. Let the hard-hearted oppressor tremble, even though he may ride roughshod over others with impunity for the present. All his proud speeches are noted, and for everyone of them account must be given before the bar of the great judge. Patience, my soul, patience. The Lord knoweth thy grief. Thy Jesus hath pity upon thee. So there you go. If you're feeling oppressed in the church, feeling beat up, feeling you're not being dealt with rightly or justified, the people that come against you or said things against you, leave it in the Lord's hands. Lord will deal with it. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, your goodness to us. Our un, the undeserved goodness and kindness that comes to us through you by way of your Son who made all things possible, who has made us pure before you, who then he stands before you as our advocate and declares us right because of his blood and you accept us and you receive our prayers. And we thank you, Father, that you want to receive them and you want to listen and you want to hear us and you want to have a relationship with us. Thank you for those that you were ministering to and speaking to last night. I'm always amazed at the way you move, how I was actually stopped last night down downtown by a man who said... <laughs> who said he had everything I needed, and, and Father, you gave me the words, and I said, no, you don't. You don't have anything I need. I have what you need. And he said, what? And I said, Jesus Christ. And then he asked me how, why. He said he was empty. And so, Father, I want to pray for, um, I want to pray for this, little, this little man down there selling everything that's bad, everything that the world desires after, I pray for this this man, Santana, who told me he was empty inside and wanted to sit down and talk and find out how to know what it was that was making him empty and what he could do about it. Father, I pray that you'd bring him to church as he said he would come on Sunday, that you would touch him, you'd help him read the track. Father, he, he knows, he knows that he needs something. And he made it very plain that he's unhappy and he doesn't like the way that his life is going. So, God, we ask you to reach out and touch him supernaturally today. Reinforce in him the words we spoke last night and bring him to church. As well as as well as the man that that um, two of my two brothers were sitting down and talking to for a long period of time. Father, thank you for that conversation and the track. May he also accept you and come to church. As well as the lady selling bread. 
that the, that the kids were also ministering to. And thank you for using our kids, God, handing out tracts, learning how to witness for you and share your love. And their hearts are so pure. It's almost impossible for anybody to turn away from listening to them when their heart is so joyful and pure. So, God, thank you for using them. Thank you for using Renee to organize it all and his baby for being so um, so willing to put those those things together. And may you use it and bless it, God, all of those conversations, all of those tracks that went out last night. Bless those that are sick and hurting, that need a touch of your hand, that you can be... Um, healing God today, continuing to heal. We know sometimes it's a process. Sometimes you heal in stages. So we pray your healing hand continues to go out, but you also continue to use my brothers and sisters to be witnesses for you, no matter what, what's going on in their life. Use them within the doctor's offices, within the hospitals, wherever they are, to be a strong witness for you. Thank you for your love for them, and thank you for your love for us. May you continue to bless the rest of this week, as we go into the weekend and everything that needs to happen today with the mission, the church on Sunday, and those preparing for church at the, where, where they are at, may you just have a, a, a blessing upon them in a mighty, mighty way. Thank you for the brothers and sisters gathering together. Thank you for growing our family online as well as here locally. May you continue to do that, and may we be those believers that encourage one another in love and not be the cattle that that bully each other and continue to just help us to love one another. Thank you, Father, for this day, and thank you for all that you are doing in Jesus' name. Amen. That'll do it for today, guys. And if you were able to try the church online, which I sent out some invitations yesterday, um, calvarypv.com, you just hit watch live stream. If you haven't tried it, give it a try. There's an online community there you can talk to one another send prayer requests back and forth say hi on the chat and uh, we'll see how how that grows it's an outreach ministry we want to we want to use it for you to invite your friends and your family as a way to outreach and say hey have you ever read the bible this is what we're doing we're reading together and that way there's no pressure on them they can jump in anytime also we have the podcast which um, if you're on the run and you don't have time for the live feed you want to catch it later and we also have that. It's edited. It's what we read online every day. And it's all edited. And it's out there on the audio format on any one of the major carriers of podcasts. Um, Google and Apple and Stitcher and those those kind of things. Um, check it out. Manna for breakfast. So we will see you guys tomorrow. Same time. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.